You're listening to Things of Faith. Welcome to our Things of Faith podcast as we are moving forward through different Orthodox Christian doctrines. So doctrines that we as Christians, and we hope, Stoops and I both hope, that these are doctrines that whether you are Presbyterian or Lutheran or Methodist or Baptist or non-denational or Catholic, that you hear these things and go, yeah, that that's part of what it is to be a Christian. There are, of course, places where if we wanted to get into some of the topics that create those divisions, and that might be interesting for future podcasts for us to do, um, that we could talk about those things. But right now, what we want to do is lay some solid foundation of what it is to be a Christian and an Orthodox Christian, one who believes the things that we've believed for thousands of years. So uh, real quick, welcome, Stoops, to our podcast. Well, thank you, Pastor Scott. It's always good to be here. How's in Hebron? Is it um, warm and wonderful? Uh, not nearly as warm and wonderful as <laughs> Southern California, but uh, uh, the sun finally peaked through. We had a we we had sixty seventy degree temperatures, and then it dipped down to the forties. Okay, so yes, we are in our um, the cold side of our comfort zone. So it's like you know fifty seven, but it is it is sunny outside, and the plans are the snow with on Friday with the kids. So we'll see um, if that happens. I, I hope it will. And get Hope and Isaac on the mountain to see if they want to go snowboarding. So we have to drive to snow. <laughs> the snow comes to you here um, or there in uh, Cincinnati area. Mm. So <laughs> we've moved through the idea of the Godhead. We've talked it. We've talked about it in very relational terms, which is, I think, wonderful. Then we moved from the Holy Spirit and into the fact that the Holy Spirit is that part of the Godhead that connects us to God, and he dwells inside of us. He brings Christ to us. We are able to be image bearers, reflecting the glory of God because of the Holy Spirit. We are, are never alone. I'm doing another Bible study and talking about prayer, that we have the privilege of of lifting our voices in prayer to God. Uh, the Holy Spirit intercedes with grumbles and moans when you don't even know what to say. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. We want to move then from there into what does it mean to be a part of this local church? What does it mean to be a part of where Paul would use the term the body of Christ? And talking about how each one of us, wherever you are listening to this, Stoops in cold, miserable Cincinnati, me here in beautiful South Bay, um, are part of this glorious body throughout the earth. And so that's the direction we want to head. And we want to, by the end of this time together, also make a case for you going to church on Sunday, waking up, (laughs) setting the alarm, uh, not having brunch, but also coming, well, having brunch, but just having it after worship. So that's the direction that we're going to head today. So, uh, Stoops, can you start us by just giving us uh, a brief overview? If someone says, what is the church? How would you respond? Well, I mean, as always, when we're trying to figure out what we what something is or how we're going to define it, we look at the scriptures. And uh, the, the word church, uh, you know, uh, begins to appear with Jesus' ministry, uh, when he when he founds his church on Peter's confession 
and then into the rest of the New Testament. We hear this word church again and again. Right. And when you see that word in your English Bibles, it is ecclesia in the Greek. And that simply means a gathering. Right. And there's two ways that the New Testament uses that word of the gathering, this gathering of believers, that there is something unique and special about uh, f uh, fellow Christians gathering together, whether in person or in spirit. And the two ways that it's used, uh, one is that there is this um, understanding of a global body of believers, that, the, the, that there is some, in some way we are one church, though we might focus on our own human um, divisions, our own human disagreements, there is one church of Christ across the whole globe. Yeah. We see it used that way in Ephesians, for example. Yep. And then the other way we see it used is to describe a local body of believers in a particular location at a particular time, particular place. And um, and so that's where we have like the idea of uh, where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth right. or the church in Rome or uh, the to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, all of those are local body of uh, are local bodies of believers that themselves um, have uh, uh, have meaningful uh, gathering, have meaningful leadership, have meaningful worship and right. time in word and sacrament, and uh, and yet in some amazing way, even though the local body itself is the body of Christ, all of these local bodies together are still and even more so the body yeah. of Christ. So you kind of have you know. Um, I guess if you took a cup of water out of the ocean, well, that's still the ocean, right? And you have the whole ocean, right? So, so we have both that global layer of church as well as those right. local expressions of that church. And also, I think the a way that I've helped me to understand it is there's the reality of the church as a a theological truth that we are all part of this body of Christ, and then there's a church that has an address, right? There's a street address of Ascension Lutheran. There's a street address of Hebron Lutheran where we drive to, we come to worship, we work through relationships with those actual faces of people that we see, the the names that we know, the personalities that we know, the, the people that we pray for. And, and the word is used in both of those places. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the important things to recognize is, is that when we are thinking about this global church, the universal church, we are considering what it is to be um, tied together with people who don't look like us, don't sound like us, don't eat the foods that we eat, don't engage in the culture that we engage in, but yet we share what is most fundamental, which is lordship of Yahweh God, of the triune God, believing in Christ's power of resurrection, believing in the Holy Spirit, and so one of the, the deep convictions that I need to remind myself of and I teach on and, again, like just think about, reflect on, is, is that when it comes to, you know, if there's a atheistic Californian or a Christian Ethiopian, I share more in common with the Christian Ethiopian than I do the atheistic Californian, mm -hmm. which doesn't feel true. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. there's so many commonalities that, you know, oh, we have the same restaurants and, you know, the same uh, sports teams and those things. But who we are is fundamentally more similar because Christ's lordship over all of those things. And so to me, that's always been a very striking thought when it comes to this idea of the church, 
to to know, whoa, that person, although so different, so separated by so many things, is my true partner, brother, sister in this body because we share this common faith. Just that to me is just mind blowing. Yeah, and when and it, and it kind of becomes uh, even you you feel the tension with that cultural difference. Yeah, and there's beauty in that, right? There's beauty in mm-hmm. feeling the tension in the difference, in knowing that the difference is something that can be celebrated, then mm-hmm. something you can mm-hmm. learn from, but yet sharing the common who Christ is, how we treat our neighbors, how we pray for each other, how we pray for strangers, and so just how deeply true it is that we are a part of God's body is quite convicting. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think, you know, especially kind of as Americans in the early 21st century, um, we can, it's it's sometimes easy for churches to look all the same. Oh, yeah. or Or like within, the, within a church, right? So yeah. church is, you know, basically kind of one socioeconomic group, yeah. one ethnic group. Our address oh, oh, that's dict- the... dictates a lot of that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's just some some kind of historical factors out of the hand. And then I think we also can play into it. Sure. But to, to understand that even from the very earliest stages of the church exploding on right. the scene, even in Jerusalem, it was diverse. It, right. It was people from a whole bunch of nations. Yes. From with a whole bunch of languages, yeah, all kinds of differences, right. uh, different cultural expressions, different understandings, yep. and so quickly churches are being planted across vastly uh, different cities with different demographics, yes. with different uh, class levels. And, and what I guess is so beautiful about that diversity is even as each of those cultures can be celebrated as an expression of the kingdom of God, is like there's there's still a greater unity. There's a greater unity yet still. Yeah, exactly. Found in the Christ's body. And I also think just comparing that to other world religions, they usually so grow up in that culture that they're so tied into that. Whereas you just brought up the idea of Acts, Peter preaching to all these people in all these different languages. And I don't exactly remember the number, 3,000, 6,000, 5,000 that day were saved. I think it was three, 3,000 that day were saved and intending to have all these different cultural things at a time when there are people from all over Rome in Jerusalem. So then the the most obvious example is the book of Romans, where we know Paul wasn't there yet, writing a letter to a group of Christians who are in the city of Rome. And you, you ask yourself, well, if Paul wasn't there, how did it get planted? Well, very likely out of a group of people who heard the gospel in Jerusalem and went back to their many different places throughout Rome different. And so now we have, now we're worshiping Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit is here. And so spreading out and doing that is, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's really, really wonderful. Well, and and even besides for that kind of beauty of kingdom diversity, there's also like the really practical aspect of Christianity, of like following Jesus and being part of a church is not about either ignoring differences or um, making everyone conform. Right. Right. Like that's, that's kind of, I mean, we, even within a church that maybe is a little because of the neighborhood or whatnot is, is of a similar ethnic or social background at the same time, there's still differences. I mean, at the moment you put two human beings together, there's differences. Well, and, and And yet Paul speaks to how those differences can, how those differences can work out in love. Yeah. And I read somewhere, uh, not that long ago, but I'm already forgetting where I read it that said really 
the church is one of the few places where we come together across a truly broad spectrum for one purpose. Where else does a grandparent and a baby gather to do the same thing and they're not of the same family? You know, mm-hmm. like th- there's not a lot of those places left. Well, and, and well, especially in in America, where yeah. you know it, we we kind of are getting down closer and closer to the individual. And honestly, we've just had two years of that being reinforced, right? <laughs> like with how we're spacing ourselves out and everything. Of like, don't you know? And I, I hey, I like my personal space. Don't get me wrong. Yes, more so than, but I at do. the same time, it it it. it it plays into the all about me. All about me. All about what I – or and then if, even if I expand it, it only goes out to me, my immediate family. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that a grandpa of other kids and my children are in the same room and they love each other and they're learning from each other and they're encouraging each other is so amazing and and just foreign to us. And so I think you know the Ascension Lutheran on the wall, we have – our mission statement, gathering all generations into the body of Christ. And I really love that idea that there are all generations, all types of people coming together, recognizing each other's differences, celebrating their differences, yet having a common purpose, a common lordship, and giving themselves over to that. So then we we said we were going to make a case for why, why you should wake up on Sunday morning. We've already started some of that, which is you need to see the broadness. You need to be in rooms with people who are different than you. You need to hear voices from people who are different from you. You also need to be known, um, to be known by name, to be known by what you're going through in your life. What are your joys? What are your highs? What are your lows? And to have that be really seen and understood and beloved in the context of actually somebody looking at you in the face and praying for you and caring for you is is amazing and critical to who we are. Although you look out at culture and you wouldn't see that because, again, as you mentioned, Stoops, the value on the individual as opposed to the value on the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, we. I think it, it becomes easy for, for us to um, – even in a world that has become so interconnected, whether through social media or through commerce, uh, we're so reliant on uh, everything for our economic wants or needs. Um, but at the same time, we've we've, in some ways, we've just drawn inward. We become more isolated, yeah. less connected, connected through virtual relationships and not real relationships. Right. Though those can overlap, of course. But it, part of I, I guess you know part of the reason that we go to worship. And, and it's become popular over the years to kind of go, uh, well, we need to be post-church. We need to be post-gathering with people. Uh, we, I can kind of do this, you know, following Jesus on my own kind of thing is like no. part of the reason we go to church, or the part, I, w- I would say part of the reason we go to church is um, to look beyond ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. That even, even if you're a seeker or even if you're just kind of questioning or doubting, like part of the reason we've gathered together for two millennia is is to move beyond just our our you know, temporary moment and have blinders on our eyes, but to look them, lift them up yeah. and to, to see that there is a God who is good and who yeah. is worthy of worship and right. a lamb uh, who was slain and yet stands. And, um, but just as we look beyond ourselves to look up, we also have to look beyond ourselves and look around. Right. And, and all the, the only humans. way we can even hope to, um, to, to, um, 
to do any of the commands in the Bible when it comes to one another is with another. <laughs> is to have the other yeah. around you. <laughs> yeah, like I love to love one another. Yeah, because I'm all by myself. Because I don't have to ever see it. the other. Yeah. You know, it, and that's, and again, it can be, it can be easy. Oh, yeah. You keep other people at bay. You keep other people idealized or on, on pedestals. It, it's, it's, it is messy in the trenches. It is. And, and it becomes fleshed. It becomes exactly. lived out. It becomes mm -hmm. the way, yeah, the other actually becomes somebody who you have to sit next to in church and, you know, they, they shake their leg too much or they say something that irritates you and you have to learn then forgiveness, real forgiveness. Um, yeah, there's so many different little like illustrations that I think are wonderful. One lived out thing that I experienced that I was actually really surprised at was a number of years ago, I took a group of students to a houseboat trip about Lake Shasta, California. And most of them were middle schoolers, although there were some high schoolers. And we were from two different churches. And the ones that, that at the very beginning of the trip, we got together and we were talking about different things, but I had them pair up and then do a time of spoken confession. And so they actually confessed whatever they wanted to. You know, I didn't say confess your deepest, darkest secret, mm -hmm. but just confess something to the other person. <laughs> and then the other, whoever's receiving the confession, just looked at them and say the simple words of in Christ, you are forgiven. So we do that in worship, right? Where you get to hear that, which you need to hear. But then to actually have like, hey, this is the this is part of the darkness that's in me. This is part of the thing that I I screwed up. And then to have like those words spoken over. So the end of the week. So that was the first night. The end of the week. And we've gone wakeboarding and tubing and jumping off the roof of the boat and swimming and playing cards and all the things, right? I asked them, I said, what was your favorite part of the trip? I was shocked how many of them said that mm. time of confession. Actually having someone like speak grace and they didn't use those words, but like, oh, yeah, I mm -hmm. like that confession thing. I was like, what? I mean, that was the beginning. And to me, like, it just satisfied what we're talking about. Like, having a real person say something over a real situation that that's – we're desperate. Like, you know, a cup of cold water to a parched person walked in the midst of the desert. And I was just – middle schoolers and high schoolers. I'm like, yeah, that – that to me was such a like, we need this, guys. We need to be together. We we need to hear these words. And and it's beautiful to have it spoken over the group, but it's also beautiful to have someone like take your face and say, This is true and forgiven and loved, even that thing. And where else do you do that? Yeah. Oh man. Well, I mean, I'm just I'm just struck by um like what kind of Holy Spirit inspired courage was in those middle schoolers. Yeah. And um, right. I mean that that's holy that's Holy Spirit courage to yeah. be open with that to engage with that right but then to see the the grace and the blessing right flow out of it I mean and and I think that's kind of a lot of how we have to approach the church is that it it is it can be messy there's no perfect church out there um, every church is going to get on your nerves yep. and you know the only the the only perfect church is the one that only you are a part of <laughs> exactly. and that one isn't even perfect anyways well and, and don't, um, isn't that Mark Twain's famous line of oh, yeah. I wouldn't join any club that they'd take me as a member of or something like that <laughs> um, recognizing that yeah we bring all of our stuff in but I think there's beauty in doing the hard work of staying with one body working together through those those stuff the highs the lows learning to forgive, 
um, learning to be forgiven, learning to make mistakes and walk together. And so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I would encourage you to find a local congregation to show up, to get involved, to realize that that church needs you particularly to bring your unique gifts, your unique talents, your unique voice, whether you're five years old or whether you're 55 or 85 years old, because that time together transforms. And I mean, I I just read another book and this will just be a quick thing. I was shocked that secular studies have found mental health benefits and like the rates of suicide. One of the major factors is actual worship attendance. Like it decreases those rates because of things that they're not, they don't even understand, right? We, we would understand a little <laughs> more. So and to me, I was like, going, whoa, what, what good words to come from a secular study. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was kind of, I, I had seen the article, actually I've saved it to read cause I was just skimming it. And likewise, just kind of very startled by the statistics yeah. of the, the almost preventative um, right. uh, nature of being a part of the church. And, and it was kind of funny because they're like, well, we kind of think it's because of like a sense of meaning and purpose and transcendence. <laughs> but but it, I like, I'm like, well, really the headline is God's still right. You know? <laughs> exactly, <yeah>. 2,000 <laughs> years later, he's still right. He's been going and he told you this then and he's consistent, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, okay. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we, you and I are both pastors of the local church, so we are in love with the local church. So you're definitely hitting us in our um, favorite thing to talk about. But we we will wrap up uh, because we're trying to keep these tight and, uh, well, you guys can listen to them. So wherever you are, if you know Stoops or I, you can come there. Uh, we don't care where you go. Uh, we just care that you go to a place that believes in the Trinity, loves Jesus, and has people around you to encourage you, to challenge you, to pray for you. So, okay, Pastor Stoops, it's been fun. Awesome. Take take care, Pastor Scott. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Things of Faith.